Welcome to the Legacy Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info. Amen, amen. Well, we don't have sermon notes today. Man, and y'all are spoilt rotten. So if you don't have a sheet of paper, get your phone out and take notes. I'm going to help you and teach you how to take notes on your phone today. Some of you don't. I, I know. I, I take notes on my phone. I went to a conference this past week, and my phone is full of notes. And so you don't write down every, every, the, every verse. You write down where it comes from. Like the first verse that we're going to talk about today is John 14, 13, and 14. So just type in John 14, 13, and 14. You can look it up later. You have a reference. But we're talking about, this series has been about in the name of Jesus. And they just saying, in the name of Jesus and how powerful, there's power, 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 wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus Christ. So John 14, 13, and 14 says, Whatever you ask in my name, that I, will, I do, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now you can copy John and drop it down underneath there if you're taking notes. John 15, 16. You know, John, John wrote a lot. This is not in any other book, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John wrote this in his 80s. And he started remembering some things, especially this is, you know, on the last night before Jesus went to the, to the cross. And John 15, 16 said, You did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Just a minute. Do I have any fruit, Lord? Start bearing fruit in the name of Jesus. With God's help, you can bear fruit. Come on, we're not, we're not, you know, I'm laying out some things today. I'm going to, you know, I don't want to hurt you, but I got to get rid of some stuff in your life. Okay? So, so it says uh, that you bear fruit and your fruit should, should remain. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. The Father in my name, in the name of Jesus. And then John 16, 23, in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Asking you will receive that your joy may be full. How many know Jesus is king? And if you go ask the king for something, he'll give it to you, especially if you're in his family. Remember Joseph got sold as a slave, went down to, to Egypt, and he's working in poverty, gets thrown in prison. He's a servant. He gets thrown in prison. He interprets a couple of dreams. Then he goes before Pharaoh and interprets dreams. And God makes him, Pharaoh said, you're in control of everything except me. Okay? The, the, the good years, seven good years came, seven bad years came. You know the people in Egypt, it was so bad, they were selling their property to Pharaoh that, he, that they could get food. They sold their houses and lands to Pharaoh to get food. And Joseph was in charge of it. Joseph is a deliverer. Joseph is a savior. Joseph is a type of Christ. And when his brothers came down to Egypt, he couldn't help it. These are my brothers. You know, he started crying. Come move down. I'm going to put you in the land of Goshen. It's the best land. I'm going to, you can bring your herds and your flocks, bring your families, your kids, bring daddy, bring my brothers, bring everybody. I'm putting you in Goshen because you're my family. And it got Pharaoh's attention. Tell them to come on down. And he said, send carts with them. They don't even have to walk. They can ride in the carts. Send a limo with them. That's a limo back in the day. 
And they rode in carts back to Egypt to the blessing because their brother was in charge. Your brother's in charge. But you're not asking him anything. Mm, Don't make me run. Now, I told you I was going to kick over some sacred cows, but let's talk about three reasons we don't pray. How about one, unbelief? We don't believe God answers or this and that and the other, but how about unbelief in a different way? How about unbelief that, well, that's in New York. It doesn't, doesn't relate to me. Don't, we don't believe what happens in Europe. It doesn't relate to us. I'm not going to pray about that. Are you kidding? Everything relates to us. We're the believers. We're the called to stand in the gap. We're called to pray over the Philippines. I just saw our brother. He got family over there. Uh, I, I know people in Indonesia. They need our prayers. God will stir you up to pray for people. People in South America. People in, how about Florida? How about people in New York? Can anything good come out of New York City? That's what they said about, you know, Jesus. Yes, it can. And so how about, how about we get complacent? You know, if we really uh, believe that prayer changed things, we just, hey, I'm good, I'm good. I don't need to pray. I'm good. Oh, we use God like a spare tire. When's the last time you checked your spare tires? It got air in it? Is it flat? I have went to get mine, and it was flat before. You can't treat God like a spare tire. Just use Him when you need Him. Oh, we're in a bind. I guess it's time to pray. Man, we're supposed to have a relationship with God. How about we get discouraged? Well, I prayed and it didn't work. I ain't ever praying again. Don't get shipwrecked. We're going to talk about some things that will stir you up. And I'm really going to talk about two points today. And they're they're characteristics of God. Two characteristics that religion will tell you, you don't need to pray. Huh. I didn't say God didn't tell you to pray. Or Jesus didn't tell you to pray. I said religion. And religion can be bad. Religion's man-made. And theology can get mixed up. And theology can get messed up because men get involved. I had a guy say, well, you can make the Bible. You're a preacher. You can make the Bible say what you want. Well, I probably can, but I have to back it up with the Word of God. Everything I say and everything I believe has to be backed up by God's Word. If it's not, it's just my opinion. And that and $2 to get you a cup of coffee at McDonald's. My opinion is worthless. It's the Word of God in me that I need to give you. It's the Word of God that I dig, and let me dig this out. If you got a question for me, let's sit down and reason together with the Word and the Holy Spirit. He's our God, our help, our comfort. But I'm going to say God's for you. The Holy Spirit's for you. Jesus is for you, and the Father's for you. Okay? Because we serve a good God. And so that's number one. God is sovereign. Sovereign. And people take that and say God's in control. God's in control. Well, God's sovereign. That means that, that, means that, that God, uh, He's supreme. He created everything. God is supreme. He created everything. But I want to show you some things from the Word that God's not in total control. Let me just go ahead and lay this one out there. God has a will. Remember Jesus said, 
Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We're to pray thy will be done. God has a will. Well, God just, he's just going to make his will come to pass. You have a will. God created you in his image and his likeness, and he gave you a will. And your will, you chose that jacket, that shirt, you combed your hair that way, you wore those shoes out of your will. And it really, that doesn't really mean uh, much, but here it is when it comes to spiritual things and godly things, your will has to get in line with God's will. When your will gets in line with God's will, your life changes. God answers prayer. God wants his will into the earth, but we are the representatives to represent God and bring his will into the earth through prayer. Smile at somebody, say, he's talking to you. It's time to pray. Okay, it's three of us. That's good. We can start somewhere with three of us, huh? So, you know, people bring up providence that God, you know, and I heard a man this just last week, or, or maybe it was Monday, about, about Abraham said, you know what? Uh, he called the guy, you know, Abraham was a corporation. Look at all the animals he had, all the, the people, 300 people working for him. He's a corporation. And this head man, he said, look, I'm getting old. Sarah's already gone to heaven. Uh, but listen, I don't want my son marrying one of these, these ungodly women around here. I need you to go back where I grew up and get a wife for my son. I want a, a woman that knows God for my son. Now, it doesn't say the Lord spoke that to him. That's just common sense. That's lining up his will with God's will. That would be the will of God that we all, the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked. That our will should line up when, you know what, that's, he's saying, I want my son to marry a godly woman. Who doesn't want their son or daughter to marry somebody that's godly? And so he said, go and find. And, and, and he goes, man, are you kidding me? You want me to just go find a wife for your son? And this man knew enough about Abraham and God. He started praying, Lord, you got to help me. Who in the world's going to come back with me that don't know this man? I got to pick her out, bring her these thousand miles back or how far it was. And uh, you got to help me find this woman. I mean, God, he's put giving me this task. How am I finding? And people say, well, it was just the providence of God. You read the story. He's praying. He's sweating bullets. I, I, I'm representing Abraham. I got to find, find his son a wife. And so he goes to the town where Abraham, and he stopped all his five camels, and he has his people, and he said, okay, Lord, this is where the women come to water. Maybe we can find him a wife here, but Lord, what I want to do is I'm going to start asking these women if they'll give me a drink and give my camels a drink, and then I'll know that this is the one that you have for him. But he wanted to, this guy wanted to tell you it was the providence of God. This guy's praying, Lord, show me which one. Show me which one. And it happened to be the first one who walked out was Rebecca. He goes up and talks to her, finds out, She's in Abraham's family, finds out, and she goes, well, can I get a drink? He gives her a drink. He goes, she goes, I'll water your camels too. This is the one. He said, can I come to your house? I need to talk to your parents. I'm taking you back with me. <laughs> Are you kidding? You ain't going, my daughter ain't going with you, Jack. I don't know. It had to be God. So God is sovereign. Don't just put, what I'm, my point is, 
is we lay everything on God. When you say God's in control, if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. Then what happens, it don't happen. Now you're mad at God. But if you start praying, you'll find out if it's the will of God. Now, there are specific things in the Bible, all kinds of promises that are the will of God. But if I'm supposed to be a doctor, or if I'm supposed to be a lawyer, or if I'm supposed to be an Indian chief, if I'm supposed to be this or that or the other, I need to pray and get in line, and I can have a witness of what God wants me to do. But here's the basics. Everybody's supposed to do the will of God, the normal will of God. Be a believer. Walk in love, joy, and peace faithfulness, kind, all the fruits of the Spirit. Come on, that's, that's a given. That's you got to start there because if you're not walking in the fruits of the Spirit, you're being robbed. Don't, I can't tell you. know, God said, I can't answer your prayer if you're in unforgiveness. And you throw a hissy fit every time somebody pulls out in front of you. <laughs> or somebody, you know, looks at you sideways and you're like, what you looking at? What you looking at? Huh? You know how the devil works? He's trying to pull God out of you. And so the characteristic of God, God God's characteristic, he, He's love, joy, and peace. If, uh, he's the supreme ruler of the universe. And, and why pray if God's going to do it anyway? But I, I'm going to give you some scriptures. Just hold on. And then, then Matthew 6, we read it. It says that God knows what we need before we ask. Well, there ain't no sense in praying. He already knows I need it. Come on. God knows how I'm going to act. You know, I can put some M&Ms up here, and I can go get those three-year-olds out of the class back there, and I say, take just one. How many of y'all think they're going to take just one? They have a will and a human nature. They'll be putting as many in their mouth and many in their hands. They'll all be melting, and they're chewing, and chocolate's running down their cheek like they're chewing, chewing tobacco. That's the human nature. That's the will of man. And you got the same will. Don't sit there like, yeah, they will. That's them. That's those children. You just ate a half a pie. Don't talk to me like that. I know. I I do it too. But the sovereignty of God gets misinterpreted. If it's God's will. Will, what does will mean? Ah. What does will mean? Will means desire. God desires for you to be blessed. God desires for you to be well. God desires for you to have enough food to eat. God said, I'll supply all your need. Not needs, but need. Come on. It's his desire. And that's what we've got to get in that place. Look at 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But as long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everybody saved. Is everybody getting saved? Because they have a will. They have to get their will in line with God's will to get saved. You see, God's not slack. He's waiting on us to preach the gospel, to be a witness you know, don't sit over there and say, you know, uh, I, I'm just praying for my, I, I, Lord, if it's your will, save my neighbor. No, his will is to get your will up out of the recliner and go over there and talk to them about the will of God. Go witness to them. That's what we're called to do. But some of us are so caught up in our troubles and, and, and anxiety and our depression that we're not, we can't witness to anybody. God doesn't want to, God wants you on top, not underneath. To be a light. 
Not under the bushel, but out front. What kind of light are you? So, we have a will. Remember, God's will is good. This, this is going to answer some things for you. If God's such a good God, how, 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 come, how, how come all these bad things are happening? It's because people have a will. And, and even in our life, we, when we read the Word and pray, we're starting to line our will up with what God wants. We're getting in line with God. And you know what I found out? His way is better. His way is better than my way. And his help is better than my wife's help. She's a great wife, but she's not a good Savior. I'm not a good Savior. I'm a good help, but I am not a good Savior. He is my Savior. And when I get in line and get my life in line with the Word, and I begin to pray the Word, and I begin to stand in the Word, my life begins to change. This is a key. And we need to learn to stand in the gap and begin to pray. The Bible says to come boldly to the throne of grace. You'll get bold in somebody's faith, your wife's or husband's face, and yeah, 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 but you never get bold and declare what God wants in the earth. Come on, you got to have a little fire. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus that the will of God be done in the earth. Lord, your will is that you want this church well, that you want this church blessed, that you want my children blessed. Lord, that's your will. I got scriptures to back it up. Lord, I declare that I, everything I put my hand to is blessed. I put my hand on my wife, my children, my job. It's blessed. Your favor's on me, Father. In the name of Jesus, I declare favor everywhere I go. They say, come on up here to the front. We got something for you. What you got for me? We're giving free food away. We want you to start it off. Huh? Come on. That, that you think, oh, well, nothing ever good ever happened. You're in the wrong, you're not in the will of God mouthing like that. Change your words, you change your life. Change your words to what God says, it changes your life. Speak what God says. Declare what He's saying. Mm, mm, mm. God's will is good. And good things happen when we get our life in, in the will of God, doing His Word. I, I don't care what you where you work. Mm -mm. That's not what it's about. You're looking at where you work to get ahead, to get blessed, to get money. No, it's, it's not about the money you make. It's you being in the will of God. It's you being led by God, and God's going to take you to the next best job. Don't, don't get me wrong. That's where favor comes in, but you want to get in line and start doing the Word of God and living the life of God right now. And you need to start saying, we're blessed. And I don't care if you can't pay your bills. You don't see how you're going to pay your bills next month. You've got to start believing God that increase and change will come and things will change, and it'll happen right where you're at. And if it doesn't, then God's going to start moving some things. See, God, God does. Prayer does change things. It changes circumstances and situation. I can give you story after story, but I'm going to stick with the Bible right now. And here's something that you need to know. We're going to look at Jeremiah 32, 8 through 11. And I've always had it explained to me, and this is it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everybody would believe that? That's a scripture. Now, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, you know, He's sovereign. He's supreme. He created heavens and the earth. 
But if you go and read Genesis 1, down there where he made man, he said God gave man dominion over the earth. Adam was not a dummy. We think about Abraham being a dummy. They had running water in their city. Okay? Adam was smart enough that God could give him control of the earth. God breathed wisdom into him when he made him. He wasn't just a, you know, Cro-Magna man or whatever. God breathed wisdom into him. He wasn't a caveman is what I'm trying to say. Carrying a club, riding around, you know, he's not. God gave him dominion. And so what I want to show you is God gave the earth to man for a season. How many believe Jesus is coming back? How many know the Bible says he's going to make the earth right? In Romans 8, the earth groans and travails for the earth to be right and, 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 and to be holy and to be the way it was made. Jesus is going to straighten it up. He's coming back. So look at this. This is Jeremiah. The Lord told Jeremiah this was about to happen. Jeremiah is actually in jail for prophesying to the king that you ain't going to win the battle. And he goes, I'm going to shut up. I'm putting you in jail. Well, thus saith the Lord, you know. Okay. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison according to the word of the Lord and said to me, please buy my field that is in Anthathoth, you know, these good words here, Withville, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of the inheritance is yours and the redemption. Keep it right there. The inheritance is yours and the redemption. Okay? And let's look at verse 9. It's yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew this was the word of the Lord. The Lord spoke to him that this was going to happen. Uh, and so, so the right of redemption is yours. And so let's keep reading through 11. So I, brought, I bought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle, who was in Anthanoth, and weighed out to him the money, 16 shekels of silver. Next verse. And I signed the deed and sealed it and took witnesses and weighed the money. Now, wait a minute. I signed the deed and sealed it. Remember this. It's a deed that was sealed. Okay. And weighed the money on the scales. Verse 11. And so I took the purchase deed, both, two different deeds. Sealed deed, purchase deed. Both that was sealed according to the law and custom that was open. Now this is according to the law. God set this up. So, so wait a minute. The, his family owned this property and they owned the sealed deed. They were the first people to own a property. And this is our property, and everybody in that family has the right to redeem it, buy it back, or inherit it, and inherit it. Buy it back, or inherit it. So his daddy, some maybe his daddy passed away, his uncle bought the property, but it still belonged to Jeremiah. He had the right to redeem it, to buy it back, and the right to inherit it. And he probably wouldn't inherit it when his uncle died. It would have came back to him, but Hannah Mel needed some cash. I'm just surmising, but this is the story. He had a sealed deed and he has an open deed. The open deed is, uh, if I have the sealed deed and I sell you my property, it's the open deed you get and you can sell it to him and you can in turn sell it to her and she can in turn sell it to him, but I still have the sealed deed. 
I have the sealed deed. It's still my right to redeem it and my right to buy it back. Y'all with me? Then let's go to Revelations 5. <laughs> 1 through 5. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll, scroll written inside and on the back that had seven seals. Sealed. This is a sealed deed. Okay? A lot of Bible scholars believe this is the sealed deed. And let's keep reading. And, and, and then I saw a strong, strong angel. And I don't think there are any weak ones, but this was a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? Who has the right of inheritance? Who has the right of redemption? Who has the right to open that scroll? Who has the right to redeem? Keep reading. Let's go verse 3. And, and no one in heaven or in the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Verse 4. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll and look at it. Verse 5, but the one of the elders said to me, because it's the four beasts and the 24 elders, do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Jesus is coming back. He owns this earth. He has the right to redemption and the right of inheritance because God made it. And he gave it to man. And Jesus is a man. And so he paid for it, bought it back. And he just didn't want the earth because he would have got the earth back if he just came back. But he wanted you. And he redeemed you. And he shed his life for you and the earth. He redeemed you. He bought you back. Come on. It's a little bit stronger than that. Woo, yeah. But right now, who owns it? Man. But even worse than that, when Jesus was baptized, the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. And Satan came and tempted him after 40 days. And, and, and the second temptation was, come on up here. Look at all these cities with all these people and all this money. Look at all this wealth and look at all this glory and look at all these things. I'll give you every city and all these people and they'll, they'll worship you, but all you have to do is worship me. And Jesus didn't say, shut up, you, you don't have that. No, he didn't. He has authority over it. And Jesus said, no. Because I'm, I'm, I got another way, I'm getting it all. You see, he didn't say, shut up, you don't own it. No, he, see, he's, Satan's also working over, over cities, powers and principalities. Satan is working over this, where the, Boko Haram is chopping off people's arms and killing people in Africa. That's Satan working through people. You never see in the news where Satan ran in and robbed the 7-Eleven in Fort Worth. No, it's somebody being used by the enemy. But we're supposed to be used by God. And we're supposed to be praying over, over cities and over nations, over Whitfield, over our children. We're supposed to be standing in the gap. Amen, amen. Because Jesus has redeemed us and paid the price for us to be able to do it. Hey. Our part is to be that representative. He's not here, but you are. He's not here, but the Holy Spirit is, and the Holy Spirit's in you, and in you. It's time to stand in the gap. Amen, amen? amen. I hope you got that. God's just not total control. We have to allow Him to be in control. Yeah. Number two, I know this is going to make me shake here, huh? 
Number two, God is immutable. Immutability of God. My goodness, I, what does that mean? Did, you ever, did anybody use that in a sentence this past week? I didn't think so. Mutable means unchangeable. Okay? Hmm. Let's break it down and find out what it means in Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. For I am the Lord, I do not change. So let's set that a minute. God's character never changes. God is the same. He's merciful. He's kind. He's loving. He's good. God never changes. Okay? But how many of you know that God can change His mind? How many of you know that God can change your harvest? If you sit in here and say, well, I haven't prayed. Well, you know what? You can pull up your harvest and start believing God, even though you haven't planted anything, that your harvest will change. He's the God of the harvest. I'm trying to preach some good news to you. So here we go. God doesn't change. God's character never changes. But I'm going to give you examples where people prayed and talked with God and God changed his mind. That God changed the, that God changed the harvest that they were going to get. Well, New Orleans deserved that hurricane tearing them up. Them bunch of heathens down there, and they are. But if we stand in the gap, God would change that. God doesn't want those people to die. God is, God's not his wrath. So, 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 so Abraham knew this. Moses knew this. They both prayed. Now, I, I can go down the list, but I'm just going to stick right there with them. God didn't change, but in Exodus, Exodus 32, 14, Moses went up on the mountain. Go real quick. Can y'all stay with me? He got the Ten Commandments. He's coming down the mountain, and, and God's giving him Ten Commandments, and they hear a party going on. And, 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 and Joshua, he meets Joshua halfway down the mountain, and Joshua goes, there's a war in the camp. And Moses said, no, they're partying, and they're serving other gods. Because, man, they beat out a molten golden calf, and, and they're partying. And, 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 and God said, nope, Abraham, I'm through. I'm through with these people. I got them out of Egypt. I feed them every day. I get them water. I give them everything. And they just gripe and complain. Now they, they worship in a golden calf. And he said, I'm through. I'm through with them. I'm going to start with you and start with a whole new nation. And Abraham stood in the gap and said, no, Lord, you promised this people. You promised them that their, their children and their children's children that they would have the promised land. And look what it says. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Relented is also repented. Did, was God doing wrong? No. You don't know what repented means. Repented means change your mind. When we think of repentance, we think repenting from sin. But you know what? You cannot change your mind. You cannot change and repent from sin until you change your mind. It starts right here. There's the battle. Repentance. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but it's a change of mind first. Amen? So, so God changed his mind that he's going to do something different. I, I'm, it's not even in the notes. Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. 
on the throne. The prophet comes to him and said, dude, get your house in order. You ain't going to live very much longer because you're not living godly. You're not living for God. You're going to reap what you've sown, and it, your life is over. He fell on his knees, ripped his clothes, said, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. Father, forgive me. And God added 15 years to his life. Well, who, did God change his mind? Yes, God changed his mind. Isaiah went in there with the word of the Lord. How about Jonah? Jonah going to Nineveh. I'm not going to Nineveh. I am not going to Nineveh. You know why he didn't want to go to Nineveh? Read the story. It's only four chapters. He didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew that they would repent and God would forgive them. Talking about prejudice. Burn them up, Lord. Burn them up. He said, no, you go and preach repentance to them. He ran and got to Tarsus, got on a ship. Storm came, he jumped off, you know the well, you know the story. He died in that well. That's Jesus buried in a tomb, rose again on the third day. Three days later, the well spits him up on the ground. He comes back alive. Can't live in a fish for three days. Smelt like he's dead too. He goes to, he goes to Nineveh and he repeats, he said, You're gonna, this place is going to be destroyed. And they all, the, the king decreed, we, they all repented, and God didn't destroy them. And just like every prophet whose prophecy doesn't come true, uh, you know, he went, he went into depression. I knew it. I knew it. Well, see, God changed his heart because the people repented. The word, the hard word came so that people would change their lives and come to God. And they came to God, and God didn't destroy them. This is the whole point is why we pray. God will move and change the outcome even though we should have a bad outcome. God will change the outcome and bless us. He's the God of the harvest. God, God wants us to be submitted to His Word. I'm going to give you one more. Ezekiel 22, 30 through 31. And I got two more scriptures, but this one right here just set on me. Okay, and I hope it sets on you too. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall. Any man, and when it says man, it's male and female, he's talking to them. Who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me. This is the God talking on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them, and I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have come to rep re recompense their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord. Go back, please, to verse 30. I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap. God's calling us to stand in the gap, Legacy Church. He's called you, if you have children, He's called you to stand in the gap for your children. If you have a mother and a father, He's called you to stand in the gap for your mother and father, your aunts and uncles, for everybody. everybody you, each person in here knows, knows at least 300 people. They may not, you may not, I don't say they're your friends, you know them. And the Lord can bring them to your mind and you can intercede and stand in the gap for them. If you hear of tragedy or hard times or things, it's time to stand in the gap for those people. 
It's time to, to pray over them and, and that their will would line up with God and that your will would line up with God and that you would pray the will of God over them. That's standing in the gap. You should have already prayed the will of God over yourself and you're not worried about you anymore because God's got you. But when you hear the trouble that's in New York or, or California or whatever, I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm not going to get on the, with the new, yep, that's right, it's coming to them. They're going to get theirs. Jonah, quit being Jonah. And stand in the gap and pray for those people. <clears throat> in Genesis 8, 22, Noah got off the boat and he, and, he, and he sacrificed to God and this is what God said to him. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. While the earth remains, are we still on the earth? It's still remaining? Yes. Seed time and harvest. We know if we plant tomatoes, we get tomatoes. We know if we plant green beans, we get green beans. We know, but let's go spiritual with it. If you start planting love and joy and peace into your children, you're going to reap a harvest. If you start planting it into your wife and telling how, complaining to everybody how sorry she is and how this and that and the other, your husband, oh, low down, sorry, stinking dog. If you start declaring who you want him to be and who God wants him to be, your marriage will change. Declaring that your husband and your wife is righteous, your children are righteous, because that's a promise. The blood of Jesus was shed for them to be right with God and you to be right with God. Come on, it's time to stand in the gap that the righteousness of God would prevail over every city in America. Every city the Lord brings to you, whether Indonesia, Russia, whatever. We need to pray over Russia. They want to attack another country. Huh? Oh, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. No. Father, we just bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. They don't need the Ukraine. You see? That's where we have got to learn to step up instead of, boy, it looks bad. No, I declare the goodness of God over that situation. I release the Holy Spirit and the angels of God to encamp about that city that righteousness would prevail. Come on, this watch right. Galatians 6, 7, 8, and 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will reap of his flesh corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will reap of the Spirit. Oh, man, everlasting. Listen, let's look. If you sow to your flesh, Christian, he's writing to Christians. If you cuss people out, you can expect to get a cussing back. If you plant blessing, you can expect to get a blessing back. If you do what's right before the Lord God, no matter whatever happens, and he didn't say bad things wasn't going to happen, it's how you respond to them. You don't let it in. Well, they're talking bad about me over here. We'll stay over here. They're talking good about you over here. Yeah, but they need to go over and get a piece of my mind. No, you can't afford that. You ain't got that much mind to go around. It's a joke. It's okay. So, so we're living in sowing and reaping. And people want to talk at the wrath of God, but it's what, you've, what that city has sown or what those people in government have sown, and they're reaping what they have sown. But we serve the Lord of the harvest who will change the harvest. 
And some of you have planted some negative stuff in your life. It's time to ask God to forgive you and to change your harvest. I want blessing and not cursing. I want peace and joy and not disease and be just all over the place. But the peace of God to consume my life and the life of my children. The last of that scripture said in verse 8, for he who sows to the flesh, and verse 9 says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. But see, we live in a society where we, I need it now. I need it now. It's time to start planting today. You're walking in the harvest of what you planted last year, year before, yesterday. It's time to dig up that stuff. Come on, I'm walking in the harvest of stuff I planted years, for years. But I'm going to tell you, God will supernaturally catch you up with me, and I won't be jealous. Because I had to walk years to get to where I'm at. I pray that every one of you step up into the blessing of God where God called you to be and where He wants you to be, and it's right next to Him. It's right next to Him walking arm in arm. And we ain't worried about how much money we got. God. God told Abraham, I'm your exceeding great reward. He didn't say I don't get but money came. Ah, you're my reward. I'm walking with God. Man, well, you don't have a nice car. It don't matter. I'm walking with God. You, you, you don't have a, uh, your mama's mean to you. It don't matter. <laughs> my mama's mean to me. It don't matter. I got God. God's my source, not my mama, not my family. She's a good mama, but she's not a good savior. Come on. I can't stress that enough. We serve a mighty God. And he wants you to walk arm in arm with him and ask and, and start doing things in his will and his way. Talking about change life. And you know what? Ungodly people get in the will of God and get blessed and don't even know it. They use the principles of God. They think they're uh, good principle ideals. Well, they're godly ideals. Are there moral ideals? Well, all the mor morality comes from the Bible. The good morals are from the Bible. <clears throat> it, the Word of God works, and let's begin to pray it. And let's been, begin to believe God to change things. So say this with me. Say, Father, I pull up every wrong seed that I have planted in my life. And today, I declare that I will plant good seeds, healthy seeds, and my life will change. And I'll not get weary in waiting on the change. For I know it's coming. So come to me. Come on, say it. Come to me. Come to me, change. I'm living for God now. I'm walking with Him. I'm walking in the blessed life. The overcoming life. The life of victory. In Jesus' name. Now bow your heads just for a second. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, Today's the day to begin to serve Him, to live for Him. Oh, it's the best life. It's the best life you can live when you give your life to Him. If that's you here today, come on, just lift your hand and let me pray for you. Maybe you're here and you, mm, Pastor, I, I got saved a long time ago, but I haven't been living for God. And I know you just led us in that prayer, but I just want to commit my life to God fresh and new. If that's you, will you lift your hand today and say, pray for me, Pastor Brett? If you commit your, I see that hand, I see that hand. If, I, if, you, if you'll put your name on the back of the card on the back 
uh, there's a card in front of you or if you're a visitor that you rededicated your life to God. I see that hand too. We pray over you. And let me pray over you. Let's all pray this together. Say, Father, I need you to be fresh, to be new in my life daily. Thank you, Father, that you're my Savior, my strength, my shield. Jesus, I honor you. I worship you. Father, I love you. I worship you. And Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my life. Guide me. Lead me into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at legacyfamily.info.